We are doing a show called The Midnight Mystics, which is uh, myself, Zachary, and my friend Jordan, um, who are fans of Duncan Trussell's and po- fans of podcasts and fans of exploring consciousness and spirituality and all that good stuff. So we decided to watch all eight episodes of this Midnight Gospel show on Netflix that just came out because um, I thought the whole concept was really interesting and each episode gives us something to dive a little deeper into. So this is kind of the accompaniment for anybody that's interested in the topics that are discussed in Midnight Gospels um, to meet Jordan and meet me and uh, get to know us and join the community and join in on the conversation. So Jordan, who are you? I am Jordan. I am the result of a 13.7 billion year cosmic evolutionary fairy tale, starting with a singularity leading up till now. And uh, after so many things came to transpire, so many energetic things came together and flew apart and came together again and flew apart and came together and rotated and circled around each other. I eventually sprung out of the collective chaotic interspersion of all uh, seemingly random, but really probably ordered, uh, yeah, interchange of personalities until just the right people met and just the right other people did what they were supposed to do. And then I came about uh, eventually out of that. And then I started playing music eventually whenever I turned 13 and had a, had a lot of great experiences as a child and have had challenges in my life. and. Yeah, who am I? I guess what is a who, you know? Like, what is a who? I guess I more said what I am rather than who I am, but... What are you? A who is a what? What are you? I am a who. That is what I am. Um, Yeah, I don't know what else to say, you know? Um, I, I am a little bit of everyone I've ever met. I'm a little bit of everything I've ever read or thought about or felt or uh, you know I'm the grand summation amalgamation of all these uh, complexities uh, everything I've ever ate and all the water I've ever drank and all the air I've ever breathed and trees you know who am I I'm uh, the outgrowth of all of the interconnected energy which permeates this beautifully wonderful phantasmagorically abundant beatific vision Oh, beautiful! Sounds like a good sounds like a good person to be. <laughs> it can be. It can be. <laughs> so we just watched episode number one of the Midnight Gospels with special guest Dr. Drew. Uh, a little bit about the Midnight Gospel. I continue to call it the Midnight Gospels. The Midnight Gospel is a new Netflix cartoon that is produced by Duncan Trussell and Pendleton Ward of Adventure Time fame. If you're a fan of Adventure Time, you'll probably find something valuable in the Midnight Gospel. But I really like the Midnight Gospel because I'm a huge fan of Duncan Trussell. Duncan Trussell is a psychedelic chaos magician, philosopher, um, and he is also a stand-up comic. And he has a show called The Duncan Trussell Family Hour that you could find at duncantrussell.com. And he has taken it upon himself to create this uh, 350-odd episode podcast where he interviews the most interesting people from all different walks of life. And 
Um, his podcast caught the attention of Pendleton Ward, and they decided to make the show together where Duncan Trussell embodies the avatar in this show of Clancy, a, uh, a would-be wizard with a multiverse simulator who travels all across the cosmos in every fabric of space and time, having interviews with dif- different people from different worlds. Um, and yeah, in this first episode, Dr. Drew is the guest. He lands on Dr. Drew. Uh, by the way, there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't watched the episode, the prescription is to watch the episode just before you listen. So in the first episode, Duncan Trussell's character Clancy lands directly on top of Dr. Drew, who is the president of this world that is undergoing a apocalypse, a zombie apocalypse to be specific. And um, as a juxtaposition, they are talking about opioid addiction and how one of the unsuspecting potential heroes of this opioid crisis is cannabis. Um, And so I just wanted to give you guys a little filler before we get Jordan's take on it. Um, And watch the episode and then tune in to listen to us talk about it. Thanks everybody. What? So what did we just watch? Can you recap for us? Yeah, basically it was a conversation about chemistry and I guess in a nutshell, you know, or just like uh, looking at chemicals from a more um, pure way, like looking at them contextually, I guess, uh, rather than saying they're good or bad. Um, he seemed to elucidate kind of more of a, uh, it, it's a case by case situation in which, you know, uh, what purpose do the chemicals serve and like, what, what is the, the, the gains and the losses, the risk versus reward factor. And, and that's basically how we decide whether it is a good or a bad thing, or if it's evil, or, you know, if people tend to habituate and uh, become addicted, then we say, oh, that's evil, that's terrible. And then in other circumstances, the very same thing can be uh, utilized for a good uh, purpose if it's in a, you know, contextually balanced way. So, yeah, it, it's really complex stuff too. And that whole world is very, um, very nuanced. In the way. Well, in the world, in the world that we were examining that lens, because we assume that it's like our planet in which they're having this conversation, but they're actually having the conversation on a different planet um, <laughs> that's being that's being overrun by zombies. Yeah, and and it's interesting that the show launched on 420 in their first episode. I'm sure it was intentional that they chose to air the first episode on 420 as. Um, Dr. Drew says that the data shows that cannabis is one of the greatest potential um, alleviators of opiate dependency. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something that I I don't, I I talk to a lot of people that use cannabis um, for all kinds of reasons. Um, And it's something that I don't hear get brought, brought up very much is that, that potential. That, I mean, I hear about it having the potential of curing cancer and having the potential of like um, <clears throat> helping with eating disorders and helping with apnea and helping with glaucoma and helping with um, all kinds of stuff. But that was one that it's like, oh, wow, we it can help people feel sort of the same way as people that are hooked on opiates, which is a crisis in this country, and I don't know why that is. Um, do you know anything about um, 
uh, cannabis and its use of helping with uh, addiction to other things? Or um, yeah, what's your kind of take on cannabis in general? I, I've heard about um, uh, other types of substances and other types of medicines in the world that have helped uh, to uh, alleviate people's addiction, make people, um, you know, clean off of something that they're dependent on. But as for cannabis, yeah, I, uh, yeah, symptomatic relief, I think, has been what I would give the most of my, like, b uh, belief, believability to, I guess, you know, or, uh, uh, as far as uh, treatments go for cancer or for um, physical ailments, uh, I think the yeah, psychological and physiological alleviation, uh, symptomatic, uh, is is more along the lines of what cannabis does. I, I get I just get a feeling that uh, it's anecdotal that like the, the cures, for the, the claims for cures of, of cancer. I, but I'm just not aware of the studies in detail, and I haven't taken the time to actually. Like, I've heard lots of people claim that, but same I, with I, uh, I same, too, same yeah. with same with seizures and CBD. Like I've I've sure. heard that, that I've seen I've that heard, a lot, and that I actually I, for some reason I feel more inclined to uh, believe that. I guess um, for, for, yeah, it, <laughs> physiology, the endocrine system, and our uh, you know our motor. Uh, cortex, like the, the whole uh, way that that interacts with the cannabinoid system and our own endocannabinoid system, the way that we can regulate that is really, you know, so, so complex. And uh, yeah. At this point in our interview, I was thinking of Alex Toast. He did a special 420 show on Shady Pines Radio. So here's a little excerpt from that show. Hope you enjoy it. Rain spits out and flows around. Um, so it's a, it's a great system and it can be manipulated with different chemicals. So I wrote a song about it. I'm gonna play it for you. The endocannabinoid song by yours truly, Mr. Alex Toast. Uh, you take a hit of marijuana. Well, it's evil, that's what some say. Do you know what it does to you in a biological way? First, it depends on the chemicals inside of the particular plant in the bowl. And you light up the pipe and it lights up the night. Where do those chemicals go? They flow into the bloodstream and go to the body's receptors. CB1 and CB2 as they are called. Depending on the kind of herb that you are smoking. Makes a difference which receptors are CB1 receptors are responsible for the euphoric and anti-convulsive effects found in cannabis. The basal ganglia, limbic system, hippocampus, cerebellum, and the reproductive system is where they exist. And CB1 receptors pick up the THC and cannabidiol, their chemicals in weed. And they mimic the functions of anandamide, which is another chemical your brain creates on its own out of need. And they flow into the bloodstream and go to the body's receptors. CB1 and CB2 as they are called Depending on the kind of herb that you are smoking It makes a difference which reactions are involved Cannabidiol or CBD is the chemical which makes fat ladies sing Next is an antipsychotic, antiepileptic, neuroprotective, antispasmodic, among many other things. There's THC, CBD, CBN, CBC, CBG, just to name a few of the over 100 known cannabinoids which work effectively in 
inside of you Each with their own specific chemical properties Which help many unfortunate souls With bad backs, cancer, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, hepatitis C And lots of other diseases too So let's help them all be free To smoke a bowl it's funny how we refer to all this, this, these things as like the circulatory system. And we go, oh, I know what the circulatory system is. It's the veins in, under our skin that run blood through our body and pump oxygen to our heart and to the rest of our body. And we go, oh, okay, what's a vein? And we're like, oh, I know what a vein is. A vein is the thing that carries blood. It's like a tube. It's like a hose or something throughout our whole body. And then we go, Oh, what's a hose? And we break things down with language. So when we talk about the endocrine system, it's just something a little bit less tangible, less like easily understandable. Mm-hmm. So it gives us an, uh, an invitation to look more into the endocrine system. All right. So getting back to the Midnight Gospel, Clancy from his multiverse simulator uh, ends up visiting a zombie apocalypse and landing on the president. He visits uh, the president of this world being overtaken by zombies that's played by Dr. Drew. And uh, are you familiar at all with Dr. Drew or his work? No, honestly, no, not really. Dr. Drew, he hosted a uh, a, a love advice show um, on Southern California's K-Rock Love Line with Adam Carolla. And they, for 15 years, took Uh, phone calls. Yeah, okay phone calls from the alternative rock listeners. Uh, this was like the station that first played Beck in the United States and first played uh, played like a lot of um, Nirvana and stuff like that in Southern California. And then at night from 10 until midnight, they would take phone calls from people having uh, relationship issues or, and, and that could be any relationship, uh, best friends or lovers or parents or anything like that. And so, so, and and even beyond relationship with others, relationships with substances, relationships with um, life in general, relationships with themselves, with depression, with their dog, you know? And so um, when we view things through the context of relationships, we can um, see each relationship as unique. Yeah? I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. That, uh, yeah, that's like relativity in a nutshell. Is, uh, it's contextual. Um, uh, the quality a thing has is dependent upon the quality that accompanies it, um, because that can augment it or diminish it. And those are like, you know, musical terms. So, uh, the quality of a major or minor chord. Uh, if you have a dyad, uh, you can relate two notes to each other in a number of ways. Uh, many of which have flavors. You know, so it's uh, it's the same, I think, in sociology and with compounds in plants and uh, compounds within our uh, nervous system and our brain and um, yeah well uh, when it's all la- la- analogous as well. when later on he talks with, about uh, LSD and he talks about how it helps him dissociate with the idea of an imp- the self being this important concept and mm-hmm. he sees a disillusion of this concept of self and I hear a lot of hippie types talk about, oh, like, like you just have to dissolve your ego, man. And like uh, talking about um, uh, stripping down the importance of self um, because a lot of people to put too much importance on self. And um, I'm curious if you've ever had an experience yeah, like that. I mean, I've definitely contemplated the concept of oneness and like all, 
all the different ways that that can be thought of. And uh, I think it should be more uh, specifically qualified in certain instances when people say we are all one, uh, because there are cases in which it really uh, seems as though that's not the case and that like there are people and ideas and things that are diametrically opposed. Um, the oneness of a thing maybe is just our, our mental ability to draw a circle around something to, to define a thing. And we can, we can make a group of things out to be a single thing. Like even as like, I'm a multitude of cells, you know, we're all uh, made up of an amalgamation of cells. And yet we consider the one I am, but the one I am will say from time to time, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm relaxed, I'm this, I'm that. It's like one self, but many modes. And uh, I think we can think about a tangible oneness in the sense that we all have, we're all unified in our basic needs in the things that we need to survive. And that's a, a provable oneness rather than a more mystical uh, oneness, I guess. Uh, and yet I do, believe in that the oneness of, of that mystical sort too because i think that's more of a feeling it's an experience that you feel some kind i don't know if i should say intuitive intuitive connection but it's uh what i hear you say is that that perceptual thing in the, the heart i don't know yeah. That when you think of uh, what the oneness, the concept of the of like a, a single universal oneness, you think of the interconnectivity um, between all of us, it, like our our necessities and our access to those necessities and our connection and our relationships as to how we are similar to one another in that way, um, uh, and and like maybe taking a step away from the more nebulous new age, like. Oh, we are all one. Yeah, I, I think that level of oneness is more of a potential rather than an actuality for now. Uh, and the the actuality of the current oneness is just our own common contingency and our common dependency on uh, natural provision, uh, food, water, air, you know, all the things that are just uh, prerequisites for uh, our existence. And that's just our own little microcosm of oneness. And I think on the grandest scale, there's definitely a even, even more wondrous and I guess more nebulous oneness that uh, I definitely subscribe to is like more of a pantheistic kind of uh, concept. What one substance, many modes. Maybe. Yeah, you mentioned that one self, many modes. Um, you also mentioned uh, that we are each are comprised of a multitude of cells, that that we are each comprised of like, you know, vast amount of, of organisms and cells and bacteria and all that stuff that comprise like you, right? Like you have all of that stuff within you. Um, and so I think something that is kind of a bridge between the pagan type hippies that are like earth religion based and the crystal children that like are more star based in their spirituality is that the world is one the world is an organism and we are a part of that organism and i think potentially the value in that in that thought experiment is 
if the world is one organism that we are just a part of, then your or my individual difficulties or problems or hardships in life in relation to the gigantic scope of all of this planet's existence is really, really minor. So it helps us kind of maybe break up or free the, the, the strain and constraint and stresses of everyday life. Cause it's like, who, who, who the fuck am I in comparison to the great one? You know, um, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, that, I, I, I completely agree. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it has a diminishing effect on our, the, the way we feel relative. Yeah, yeah, you said earlier about relationship and I totally, yeah, I ha have this feeling that relationship really is one of those keys. Uh, that it's more of a, a mode of perceiving that's unique to personal beings such as ourselves, like, to yeah to feel a personal meaning is one of those maybe like one of uh, the maslow's hierarchy of needs based kind of thing so. triangle that has all, all these different levels of like the basic things we need in order to feel i guess like a, a whole human uh, that's all i really know in, in a nutshell and i can't really name each one um uh, beyond you know like the the basic necessities one and then um food water shelter ones and yeah, yeah, just like the, the given basics uh, and then uh, additional things that are more on the complex side of uh, more psychological needs and uh, intersocial needs and you know, uh, things like that. But, but I, you know, and that's just, that's his formulation of, of a, a, what, what, it, what does it take in order to have this reality be? You know, like how many things have to be just so in order for this to be allowed to transpire and if you could name it all then that would be the, the biggest hierarchy of needs possible i guess um so i'm going to read off maslow's yeah, yeah, hierarchy of needs yeah okay. so the physi physiological needs which are air water food shelter sleep clothing and reproduction so it's interesting that re reproduction has become a physiological need um, my friend who's homosexual, he says that he believes that it's part of the evolutionary drive for more humans to become homosexual because the, uh, the planet can't sustain too much more heterosexuality, too much because there's like this natural mutation to make more humans homosexual so that we populate the planet less, um, which I don't know if that's true or not. But like, I haven't reproduced, but I still feel as though all my physiological needs are met. Um, anyhow, I, I don't necessarily agree with that one being on the list, but I'm no Maslow. Um, there's the safety needs of personal security, employment, resources, health, and property. And then there's love and belonging, which is friendship, intimacy, family, and a sense of connection, which I think is actually more important than employment personally esteem esteem is respect self-esteem status recognition strength and freedom and then self-actualization is the desire to become the most that one can be um it, it, it seems to me that the army has uh made this a piece of their propaganda like your ultimate objective is to be all that you can be be, be the best of the best of the best yeah it's, what is uh, go ahead I was just going to say it's interesting. <laughs> what what do you think of when you think of self-actualization or self-realization? 
it's one of those nebulous things whenever it first comes to mind and then it's hard to articulate uh self-actualization I, I think if you could reach your the fullest relative potential for yourself for your given body type you're given uh the, the amount that you have the ability to pay attention to in order to acquire knowledge and skill and uh comprehend uh how to have a, autonomy i guess um over your own emotions and your thoughts and to recognize the difference between your own impulses and be able to measure long-term risk versus reward factors and if you can really <laughs> I don't know, yeah just if you have your own personal perception and apprehension skills on lock then <laughs> self-actualization you can provide basic necessities for yourself and you can communicate effectively in order to be mutually beneficial to yourself and others and to be this system with which you are in mutual interdependence and on and on and on yeah it's like it's a really i guess big concept when you think about that the uppermost limits of what does it mean for you to be in harmony with everything within within you and without you sure what do you I yeah what's your what's your thought about that how, how do you or what comes to mind you well first of all first first of all i i would say that harmony is largely um harmony is largely a contrast to disharmony so you and it's also like i don't know what the definition of harmony is but um the i know when something is disharmonious when something sounds disharmonious when something feels disharmonious like harmony is um is something like bliss or an ecstasy it's some it's a sense it's like a it's you have like we have sight hearing touch taste and feeling yeah and those are the five things we call like the primary senses but then i feel like there are an array of secondary senses and like like uh bliss and uh and anger and like the emotional the emotional senses right and in that realm of the emotional senses i i sense uh harmony it's like a spidey sense it's like something that you can like oh that's so well and like masterful or or fits or it's like really pleasant and really like pleasing to to the sense to the sense of inner peace and calmness is like what harmony is and generally harmony is discussed in music and since I'm a person that doesn't understand the language of music very well I'm very intuitive with it and I'm not a, that's why I'm not I would never call myself a musician because I don't I don't operate in that language I don't speak that language um so but I, but harmony also transcends music into the realm of relationship and into the realm of cooking like there's a good harmony with the culinary arts and there's a good harmony with um with anything with any anything that we participate in there's a a relationship and that relationship is threefold it's like the one the other and then the two that come together to form the third and that's a spirit and that spirit is either in disharmony or harmony and i think that um my friend Preston he has this uh, saying that 
there is no such thing as perfect balance. There's like balance is like, or, or perfection in the sense of balance is a concept that we invest a lot in like all the time, like finding balance, finding balance, finding balance, or finding center, finding center, finding center. But his thing is like, if we can like switch to harmony, then we'll have a better sense of being at ease, like just finding like, oh, some harmony. And like some harmony leads to more harmony. But if we're trying to strive towards ultimate balance, then we're gonna get lost. Um, speaking of getting lost, uh, you asked me about self-actualization and I really think that self-realization and self-actualization, it um, it's like that third episode of uh, the Midnight Gospels where he was talking about how enlightenment is sort of a uh, sort of a trick. It's sort of like this tricky uh, carrot dangling on the end of a of a pole that's dangling down, getting me to chase it everywhere. Like like it's it's a carrot that we're never going to catch, and but it's it's perpetuated by the real like model of self actualization or self realization. Um, the problem that I think about when I think about self-actualization or self-realization is that it's effective to a certain point to get yourself into a healthy state. Like what would, like as an, as an imaginary thought prompt, what would, like you were saying, my highest potential look like or feel like, or what would I be accomplishing if I was in that state of being in my highest self? Um, but problematically, I think what it does as a side effect is it creates this never ending kind of like hamster wheel of like, oh, I need to get better. I need to, this addiction to self-improvement and and uh, and all of these different industries that are out there and like chasing all the different books to like improve oneself. And to what end, I guess, is, is, the, uh, is the question. And um, because in reality, I think if we're being honest, I think if we're being really honest, we can, say that we are real so we are realized and we are actual so we are already actualized so so what the so like to, to, but the definition goes to drive to become the most that one can be and i think that there's there's different interpretations of that you have like a donald trump interpretation of that which is like make the most money and most physical accumulation of material goods and then like beat everybody else at everything like become the president of the united states the most powerful man on the planet etc cetera, etc cetera. and then it's like once you do that then what what's next for you to be the most and um but then there's like a baby who's like my friend just sent me pictures of his baby and videos of his baby and i think that baby is the most like that baby is like just come into its physical life into his physical body and it's like the cutest thing ever and just like existing and like that's way cooler to me than anything that any of these asshole billionaires are doing like just just the preciousness of this this thing that didn't exist yesterday coming into the earth and like who knows what kind of music it's going to make or what kind of like thing it will invent that like radically changes the scope of human history. It's happened so many times in the past. Um, so I think like Steve Jobs is like a better example than a Donald Trump because he saw, you know, this thing and he's like, 
he's like, oh, that thing is, it's got so much potential. If only it was real or whatever. And he was listening to, I don't know, like, do you have any thoughts on what drives us to do the things that we do? Like what drives you or Pepper to be a musician or a poet or a collage artist or any of the things that that you do in in those scopes beyond just the simple it makes me feel good yeah that that is the the i guess the primal core of it is feeling good um from doing it and, and it feels like a process of learning how to self-actualize um in at least that sense of uh self-expression of abstract feelings and getting to be playful um, with words and, uh, and concepts and and again that all yeah revolves around feeling good and like generating feelings of wellness or also sometimes uh, catharsis too uh, like with blues and listening singing very sad songs uh, you know, and the feeling is just to uh, to sympathize, I guess. Um, I don't know who it was. It was maybe Tom Waits that said, I love to hear uh, beautiful things sung in a sad way, something like that. And I don't even know if it was Tom Waits, whoever, whatever it was, it, uh, you know, it's just that like the relatability of a thing and the liberty to express uh, music is just a very free language um, and it's a transcendent language yeah uh, drums was was my first like the, playing the drum set was my first full like throttle you know self uh, introduction to music playing i played trumpet a little bit in sixth grade but then that, that was just for like an elective just an extra uh, class and I wasn't really taking initiative. I was just doing it to see like, oh, maybe I'll do this, maybe that. And then whenever I was 13, I started listening to Nirvana. My brother gave me his hand-me-down CD player. I'd always grown up around music and a musical family and I always loved listening to music and I have like kind of the uh, synesthesia, you know, visualizations of like the way that certain words were pronounced or the way that the, the timbre of the instrument was or whatever. And for some reason, whenever I, uh, Nirvana really caught my uh, my taste <laughs> and I just spent like a year just eating it up and just loving that right right whenever I was about 12 years old 13 and for some reason the way the drums sounded and the way that made me feel is what appealed to me the most got a drum set and it just felt like I could express all this pent-up energy you know I could like turn my body into a something that I could also make people dance to you know so like my own personal physical uh exuberance and just like need to express that uh and to transmute otherwise very like ah you know <laughs> raucous feelings uh to use them in a constructive way you know so it's also kind of an alchemy in that sense uh multi-purpose multifaceted uh but the, the primal thing is just the feeling uh, and the getting to feel it getting to see yourself in it so that you're like creating a projection of yourself that's beyond your 
physical representation. You're recreating yourself in an audible way. Um, and it makes you feel good. And it makes you feel good. It makes you feel great. Try it. And, and anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Speaking of both of those things, um, attraction to psychedelics they make you feel good try it uh but we want to be cautious it's like it's like uh what because yeah, i mean because because yeah always and and it's like it's like the end of that episode so probably where we'll end off here uh well one of two things i want to i want to touch on is like he he mentions how he was able to penetrate this veil of illusion in regards to self through the use of lsd and and then like since we both know duncan trussell we know that he's a fan of psychedelics uh, i'm just kind of curious and like what do you think attracts humans to psychedelics in general beyond so, just feeling good just feeling good yeah it's curious um which is a well, huge motivator for everything we do yeah 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 um i, I think one thing it's it's good to know that we're not the only species that does utilize other animals and plants and um, you know sources from the earth to change their consciousness and change their uh, physical sensation or to be used in medicinal ways I guess and um, what draws us to it I guess is the deep memory of the first time that somebody took it you know like that there had to be some humans and then maybe certain cultures preserve that and then other cultures dropped it for a few thousand years and then it got picked back up again and then maybe dropped maybe it got forgotten in certain cultures but there's some kind of primordial thing that's within all peoples um just because of the ubiquity of the you know especially like mushrooms is i guess what i'm more specifically thinking of um the mycological proliferation in, worldwide you know uh in tandem with our own genesis uh produced a ir <laughs> an unannullable uh relationship uh it just the, the same that we have indo why do you, so 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 not like uh, historically but more in like present day why do humans gravitate towards psychedelics oh well it shows a lot of promise for psychological restoration and um uh, physiological regeneration of brain cells and uh, post-traumatic stress uh, recovery and healing of all types of ailments of the soul, you know, essentially. Yeah, uh, getting people in touch with uh, deep emotions and helping them process them in a, a loving and gentle uh, way. If done correctly and in the right context with, you know, people that really are very very mindful and responsible and you know it can it can be tremendously i think i think you know beneficial me too me too so i think um, what draws me to it is the the therapeutic benefit it's interesting because a, a lot of, i think what drives people to it primarily is curiosity um because when they've never tried anything like that especially younger people that just hear about something like mushrooms or whatever it is uh they're just like oh well i hear this is cool so i want to either be cool or do something cool so they try it out for that reason 
And then what helps them continue down that is the therapeutic, is the is the the benefit that they gain from it. Um, yeah, that's fair, right? But also, but also maybe the dependency too. Like, uh, like at some point, I think people might become like there's no therapeutic benefit or there's no real thing, but they just get used to going to that to that source for that feeling of euphoria or for that feeling of uh, breaking up the redundancy or like the the boredom of everyday life, and so then they just go go to it so often that it loses its power it loses its strength because there's a tolerance that's built um but uh all of the research that's been done about the emotional psychological uh benefit of things like mdma and things like ketamine now ketamine is like a um reliever as a antidote for depression um uh, in, in therapeutic context, like in, an, in a lab with a uh, therapist that is overseeing the whole thing and interacting with the patient and stuff like that. Um, people with social anxiety and dysfunction in regards to something having to do with their autism. MDMA is shown to like help bring people out of their shell and like become social and have social relationships. Um, PTSD is something you mentioned, the same kind of a thing. Um, people with terminal illness and uh, psilocybin is that's a huge study that's being done and has been done <laughs> um, that sh and, and also like there's this radio lab episode called bliss where they talk about these um, 20 test patients for psilocybin and uh, and they were all like interested in becoming a part of the priesthood but um there were like 20 that took a placebo and 20 that took the real psilocybin and 19 out of the 20 that took the psilocybin end up ended up devoting themselves towards becoming priests because they and they and they attribute their decision to that moment of taking the sacrament that helped them realize that god was real and um and 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 help them decide to surrender their will towards something greater than themselves and just go oh well i you know which is curious and and uh fascinating too i think um yeah yeah it's uh that that, that is curious i i i kind of have mixed feelings about the the, the devotional aspect of you know just kind of uh, just because of those, I guess, the arbitrary nature of what someone's experience with uh, with mushrooms might be, uh, what one person greater than themselves is, is different from another person's greater than themselves. And so, so long as whatever that greater thing is, I, I mean, but I guess then that would, is just the, you know, the proof of the, the mushroom is in the eating and like, if it's a natural thing that has a natural influence if somebody's in the right context you know that they're not being coerced into being manipulated um and as long as they're well informed of the decision that they're making before and after the fact i guess i don't know it, it yeah it's, it's such an interesting thing uh but I do think that that's also, it could be a good thing as well. You know, like if people are truly finding uh, respite from 
you know, their, their psychological ills and finding peace with just like the spirit. If, if, if it makes them want to do good for others and be in service to others, then I'd say it's good. <laughs> I say, I think it's good too. Um, um, you know, you know that movie, The Matrix? Uh, uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. What's it about? <laughs> it's about, it's about these robots. It's a sci-fi about robots. And robots are taking robots? over humans. Robots? No, you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so at that moment where Morpheus offers Neo the red pill or the blue pill, mm. he has the responsibility of telling him what the results of the red or the blue pill are. But yeah, he, yeah. Ke he keeps that information limited to all that Neo needs to know to make the decision. Um, because the the blue pill keeps him keeps him neo in his current life and his, his current world and the red pill all the red pill does is show him the truth you know and so i don't know how neo could be any more informed i guess morpheus could have spilled all the beans but neo's consciousness would not have been primed to accept the information had he not gone through the experience of the wormhole in the implant thing to get to the Nebuchadnezzar, right? So, so you know, like, yes, people have to be informed to in order to make a responsible decision. Um, but, but there's only so far a person can be informed without having a mystical experience themselves through so direct experience, true. right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. That's a good balance with, yeah, like, yeah. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious. You can talk about that, or you can talk. I, I'm curious about your resistance or, or your hesitation about devotion, people stepping towards a path of devotion. Um, yeah, if it's devotion to a, a higher ideal, which is like ecologically sound or sociologically beneficial to and, and not uh, manipulative or self-aggrandizing or uh if it's not devotion to a person or like a, a cult of personality in tandem with that uh, attribution of you know what, whatever is greater than then i think then, yeah that, that, that would be the the dark side potential i would see of that is if somebody were using it uh, we're, we're using, you know, psychedelics to influence someone uh, for their own, you know, uh, selfishness and uh, greed. And so, but yeah, but if people are just like coming out and having a, an amazing experience and they're like, yo, like, I see the divine now and I feel, you know, what that means is love, you know, if what that means is love and common uh you know solidarity with our humanity and service to uh in, in empowering the self and making yourself healthier you know having a better balanced life and just like finding inner stillness and jordan do you have any rhymes totally yeah yeah so my, my astrology uh is uh sagittarius ascendant or Sagittarius rising. So I just like got this idea. I wanted to do rhymes about each one of my astrological aspects and just kind of like 
make a rhyme to like shout out this one part of my psyche you know it's like all these different aspects and it's like you know featuring blah 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 whatever it'll grow into something more eventually but for now Sagittarius rising with my eyes on the prize I expand my horizons take charge of my minds I take aim for the skies as I run like a fire divinely equine as I spring forth and to fly higher to be free to desire as an animal is wildly inspired to living in life's mystery heaven wide ocean deep for the flame that i keep moves mutably beautifully to the truth that i seek flexible to nature's nexably synchronistic chic suitable to sympathize with many that i meet adaptable to dualistic topics of discussion i bend to ascend to the tempo of percussion of the rhythm of my heart beating beatific passions for adventure is my destiny revealed as a flash in the question of my purpose recreation my fashion with a love of jovi freedom my speakers often blasting redemption songs of progress for peace everlasting so joy fills the world like the seas fill the ocean i keep on keeping on momentum never broken with the ease of the breeze and breathing what is spoken by the spirit when i hear it whisper wisdom to awaken a fissure of decision for the visions that were shaking dream team schemes the many means to our mission making so third eyes third ears have a look take a listen because the dirt of the new earth has us dancing and blissing to turn up the new ground and make space for a nesting no stress just rest in the best of this fresh blessing i inspired to emblazon pure perfection of the one on the hearts of the many let light shine from the sun so soul 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 may enshade our holy holy skin let us celebrate the rays being down from above within to illuminate our days as we spin around this love with him. Mama nature's mama nurture us free from sin. So I hit the red eye in the middle of the target. Respecting the ultimate means letting me forget. Myself is an isolated incident, a product of listless accidents. Rather, remember that I'm tethered to interdependent forces, an image made of God making gods out of choices, discerning what is true from all the false voices. I question authority to reclaim divinity, recognize my surety to regain fidelity. The tree I deify feeds me if I reify we. Free of fees, we feel alive to realign with being light. I see the sea soul in eyes, seeing me sailing sands a sleight of hand. Save serenity, seal of subliminal oversight at hand. The magic of the moment made manifest and right, as mana from the heavens sent to assuage our suffering. While the eschaton is imminent, life's video at hand is buffering. I open up my throat, though my mouth may be stuttering. I balk not at opportunities to give air and make utterance of the people's potential to perfect the pure process of creating, of co-creating our destiny for enriching collective solace. Because we're meant for many mansions, this whole world is our palace. When divine glory fills the earth, the permeating, permeating presence of life's perfect worth, every living thing will know this. The Logos will rebirth. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this first episode of The Midnight Mystics. I know we went a little bit off the rails and weren't really talking about the show towards the middle and end of this episode, but so it goes. The show, The Midnight Gospel, is an inspiration for us to get together and have conversations. And this time we were talking about internal biochemistry, um, which is an interesting, fascinating topic right there. Um, you really have to watch the show in order to get all of the visual downloads and whatever the show inspires us to talk about is what you're going to get on the Midnight Mystics. We've recorded seven of the eight episodes and a lot of the future episodes and most of the future episodes stay more on the topic of the Netflix show. Um, 
But regardless, if you're listening to this, you must have enjoyed everything that you heard. So I super appreciate your attention. Your attention is sacred. My friend Seven calls the sacred flame of our attention very sacred. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for tuning in to Shady Pines Radio at ShadyPinesRadio.com. And we're going to leave everybody with this song from Sound Tribe Sector 9, and it's called Golden Gate. Want to give a really big shout out there to uh, Jordan Furrow, my lovely co-host, partner in Rhyme and partner in Consciousness and partner in this podcast. And uh, every Tuesday at midnight here on ShadyPinesRadio.com, we'll be laying it down. And if you're picking up this podcast on podcast directories like iTunes or uh, any of those ones out there, thanks for listening. And you can get in touch with me at Lucid Vibe Radio, L-U-C-I-D-V-I-B-E-R-A-D-I-O. And you can get in touch with Jordan at Conjury Music. That's at Conjury Music. That's at C-O-N-J-U-R-Y-M-U-S-I-C. Um, reminded of that. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-C. Um, Here's Sound Tribe Sector 9 to send us out. Hope y'all have a really great week, and until next episode, stay mystical.
auditory hallucinations. Greetings and salutations to all you creatures of the night. If you're like me, you stay up late, like to have interesting conversations about the paranormal and the limits of human potential within the realms of consciousness. My name is Zachary, and me along with my co-host Jordan, we invite a lot of guests on our show to have interesting conversations. We like to dive deep into the riverbanks of consciousness and psychedelia. Each episode is a hallucination, a journey into the realms and the data banks of human wisdom. For the first eight episodes of The Midnight Mystics, which is the name of our show, uh, we will be exploring and reviewing the first eight episodes of The Midnight Gospel. It's about psychology, meditation, non-attachment, interdimensional space travel. So if you're interested in topics like this, tune in every Tuesday night at midnight. Stay tuned right here to Shady Pines Radio for lots of great local music, poetry, and all of the great creative minds that reside right here in Portland. You've been listening to Shady Pines Radio. Shady Pines Radio.